Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Hope for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now, you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, How to Transition to Entrepreneurship While Employed, Informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now, let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Jessica Mead is an angel investor serial entrepreneur, and homeschool expert, as well as the founder and CEO of Brandlink, a managing partner of Dravonic and the co-founder of the Epic Companies and Mead Holdings Group, with a combined valuation topping $100 million and a portfolio of angel investments that encompasses more than 20 companies. Matt Mead is a for-benefit business investor. Matt and Jessica founded Mead Holdings Group, a holdings company that houses a portfolio of hand-built brands, which include the Epic companies, Epic Data, a premier people-based data company, as well as Epic Production Services, which serves as a wholesale back-end fulfillment company for some of the largest ad agencies in the nation, and Epic Software Solutions, a data and technology firm specializing in SME process automation and data management. Additionally, MHG holds Dravonic, Brandlink, Media Distribution Systems, and Grayson Pierce Capital in its portfolio. So Matt and Jessica, welcome to the show today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Happy Good morning. Here. Well, I'm glad to have you to talk about this topic. I know there's a lot of confusion with entrepreneurs about what angel investing even is and how it works. Um, but before we get into like the meat of the topic, I would love for you to share a little bit more about your background, how you became entrepreneurs and how you became angel investors. 
Wow. How long do we have? <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a little bit of a loaded question. So 23 years together, working together. Um, we have two wonderful children. Isabella is 16 and, and our son Jackson is nine. And uh, we definitely have built a life by design around, um, how, what would you call, around our family first mentality. Yeah. And um, angel investing in the early days is very different than it is today. I personally have advanced well beyond angel investing and focused on the uh, on building Grace and Pierce Capital, which is our family office, our private equity family office, where we focus on um, early to mid stage uh, SMEs and providing funding in a in a debt conversion and or a convertible debt instrument and or in a pure equity investment. Um, a type of environment where we bring in our entire management team and actually help set up and run. We focus on triaging, incubating, and accelerating existing SMEs that are a little bit further along than early stage, whereas Jessica <laughs> focuses a little bit differently. Can share your sure, focus. sure. So I think I deal with um, at the early stage of investing and with with people that are just starting to grow a company or they've gotten to a point where they uh, need a little help getting to that next phase. Um, And it's really important for me. I'm very particular with the people that I work with because I function personally on truth and transparency and Mm -hmm. their ethics and morals and things like that need to align uh, with mine personally. And I get that luxury being the investor. So um, I I think when I'm looking at that, um, I start with that. And then if they, they actually understand their numbers and what their plan is and where they're headed, then, then we move on from there. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to actually have a definition too, because I know a lot of times we use terms that make sense to us, but sometimes someone on the outside in doesn't understand what it means. So Matt, can you actually explain for anyone who doesn't know what SME is, what mm-hmm. that means? Sure. Small, small, medium enterprise. Mm-hmm. We hear it a lot, but again, a lot of times we're so used to terms. I just want to make sure that someone understands exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely. Typically, um, they're going to have a million dollars a year. They're going to reach the 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 million dollar in in gross revenue mark. They could be between five hundred and a million. Uh, they could be as high as you know. I just did a twenty million dollar transaction. Um, with a with a company that um, that's at you know five to seven million, mm-hmm. and so it just depends. It's it's very different for. That's the one thing about it. You know, listen. There's a lot of. I'm gonna. If it's okay, I'll 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 deformalize this just a little bit sure. and, and just kind of bring it down because you're 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 talking to and communicating with entrepreneurs that are just starting out. We literally started 23 years ago with absolutely nothing. I convinced this young lady to leave her job at Frost Bank and come work with me because I was, I was, I was the man, right? <laughs> I, I was making $60,000 a year. Now go back 23 years. That mm-hmm. was, that was, that was executive level pay. And I was making uh, $60,000 a year and convinced her that, uh, that I was, I was balling. <laughs> uh, I, I had it all. I had it all on point. She didn't need to stress or worry about anything. And the first day she came to work with me, 
and she got a hold of my financials. And she, I remember it like it was yesterday. She walked in and she said, babe, do you know the difference between gross and net? Mm. <laughs> and I said, I mean, I guess kind of not really. Why, why do you ask, babe? What do you, do you know what a PL is? And I was like, not really. You know, <laughs> uh, what is it? And she's like, yeah. Um, so you make 60,000, you're living on about 8,000 mm. and you're quite literally the poorest person I know. <laughs> and, uh, she said, that's not going to cut it. So we're going to need to right. make some changes. <laughs> Needless to say from there, we, we pushed forward and she managed to, I think by the next year she had us at a million dollars in revenue. So. Nice. Sounds like a great partnership. <laughs> but you know, that, that brings up an interesting point. Cause you know, he even himself used some terms that we assume everybody knows. And we talk about this within our companies as well as we know, we have these sort of glossaries or these, you know, vocabulary references um, for all the different things. And it's important to explain it because we assume that everybody understands it or knows what a PL is or knows what it, you, the difference between. So I like that you asked that question. It's important to explain it. Mm-hmm. And I just want everyone to know where we are and not feel like, I'm not sure what that is, you know, and not be able to necessarily right. get that definition. So, so speaking of definitions, let's talk about what exactly is angel investing? Sure. You want to take it? You want me to? Uh, I mean, you're on a roll. You right. go Listen. <laughs> so there, it's nothing fancy. It's literally yeah. when you go borrow money from a family member mm-hmm. or you go convince a family member or someone in your network to invest with you, you've just acquired an angel investor. Mm-hmm. Early stage, conceptual, pre-revenue typically. Sometimes, um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes pre-revenue. Sometimes they've got, you know, sometimes they've got their cupcake shop open mm-hmm. and they and they need to figure out how to, how to get it to the next level. Uh, but it's, you know, angel investing is you're, you're putting money behind the person Mm -hmm. and your belief in the person's ability to get it across the finish line. And I think that's kind of coupled with in this, in this case, with it being on a smaller scale, you kind of become their champion or Mm -hmm. their mentor, their guide through it. A lot of times they just need some sound business advice as well. And so you're providing that. That's why I'm extremely particular with the people that I work with or that I've invested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of times it is based on the person and that relationship and my belief in them um, and what their, what their goal is. Yeah. I think that one of the greatest lessons Jessica taught me in the early days, and it still holds true to this day is that picking the right, um, the right partnerships to get involved with, the right people to back is important because it'll never just be the money from mm-hmm. an investing standpoint. It's always mm-hmm. going to be the time, the coaching, the guidance. And we've done several where, and especially mm-hmm. in the early days, where we end up having to take over the whole company because- <laughs> wow we didn't have the right person and we, we backed the wrong, the wrong person. However, the business was sound and the opportunity was sound. And it was, we also always look for, here's the thing I would encourage any entrepreneur who's going to go talk to anybody. You have to know your numbers and you have to know how the person's going to get paid back, how they're going to receive their money back. If you're asking them to exchange it for equity, then you have to be able to not present some hypothetical performa, 
but you have to be able to give them factual, tangible numbers about how they're going to actually see a, see a return, an ROI, return on mm-hmm. investment for the dollars that they've given you and the belief that they've given you. Now, if you then go forward and you're communicating with them in a way that you say, okay, here's the numbers, here's the math, it, you also need to be sure that, that you understand that those are non-refundable minutes that you're asking them for mm-hmm. and that their job is, you know, it depends if they're going to be passive or active because there's two different levels of angel investing. A passive angel investor just supplies money and expects an ROI. Mm-hmm. An active angel investor will be looking for um, a board seat, voting check-ins. rights, yeah. weekly check-ins. They're going to hold you accountable. The best thing an early stage entrepreneur can do, and by the way, you're looking at two people. We've built over 30 different startups from the ground. We've mm-hmm. incubated them, accelerated them. Now we take those skill sets and we and we go focus on already existing opportunities rather than just building them all mm-hmm. from scratch. But I, I'm still building things from scratch today. Mm-hmm. And so one of the uh, one of the best pieces of advice I can give an early stage entrepreneur is to realize the importance and the clarity required for an investor to put that money behind you. Mm-hmm. They have to believe that you that you know your numbers, that you understand the risk that they're taking on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And you can't assume that just because it's a family member that they don't need to be convinced just mm-hmm. as much right. as a stranger would. Right. Well, oh, I yeah. think that's important if you have family too. You don't want to mess up the family relationships, right? And that could happen if you're, you know, not really sure what's going to happen and hoping that they're going to come in and they're hoping it's going to work out. You know, that doesn't sound like a good recipe for no. success. <laughs> well, and I've had many conversations where I like to reference it as, you know, I it's my job to point out that their baby might be ugly because they don't understand everything involved at it. Yeah. I ask really tough questions because mm-hmm. if I'm going to stand behind you, I need you to bring me everything so that we can do this together and feel confident in it. Like, and then you start breaking it down. They're like, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. I haven't asked that question. I haven't gotten that information. And, you know, so what he's saying is extremely important because I've had to tell people, Hey, I believe in you. And I know that you could be massively successful with this, but you don't even understand what it takes right now. So you right. go figure out here, here are the questions you come back with the answers and then we'll have a different conversation. And that's hard for people to hear. A lot of times they never come back because they feel like you told them their baby is ugly and is going to be ugly for the rest of their life. And they don't like that. But it's just, it's the facts. You've got to have that information. I think that it's important that early stage entrepreneurs understand that not everyone should be in business Mm -hmm. and a good idea does not a good business make. Mm -hmm. And so I think think that we have, there's a reason why 80% is, I think the small business administration statistics over 80% of small businesses fail within the first four years. And there's a reason. And mm-hmm. I think it's less than 1% ever see a million dollars in revenue. And that's okay. They, you know, a million dollars might not be the goal. A, you know, $120,000 a year household income may be the goal and they just need a business that sustains their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so that's fine. If that's the thing, I, I spent the first 14 years of our, of our business career together, our life together, 
as what I would call a very irresponsible entrepreneur. And I think that a lot of that came down to, I didn't understand the implications of hiring another human being. Mm. I hired a ton during that 14 years. I built a lot of companies, but it was always about what benefited us. And I think that's why our focus, or at least my focus has definitely shifted towards a for impact and for benefit style environment. We're looking more towards what can our money do within mm. the organization. As an example, I just uh, we just bought a um, an eleven an eleven acre uh, tract of land in in uh, Central California, just outside the Bay Area, where there was a Nissan dealership and a Volkswagen dealership, and. At my software company, they were clients and their parent company closed down in 71, 71 or 72 people lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Eight months later, that was right at the start of COVID. Eight months later, 40 plus of them were still without work and couldn't find work. And so we made a decision. We had the opportunity. We saw the opportunity to go in and ultimately reopen the location, get the Nissan, get Nissan to agree to give us the franchise and reopen it, invest the 20 million that, is, that it took, 18 million, whatever it was that it took to get that deal done. But we've already been able to put 47 to somewhere between 47 and 50 people back to work in that community. Nice. So I think, I think there's a huge thing for early stage entrepreneurs to understand that see a need fill a need is the true spirit of entrepreneurialism. Okay. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's market demand. You want to talk about angel investing and coming to someone like us or coming to someone like Candy or whoever it might be that is, and you're looking for $50,000 or $150,000 for your business. First off, the equity to dollar ratio must make logical sense. I've been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse recently and I get invited onto these boards where people come in and they pitch their business and they'll come in and they'll say, oh, there is, um, uh, I'm, you know, my ask is $500,000 for 5% of my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and their pre-revenue, they have no product. They, they just have You're an like, idea. Where would you they, get that evaluation? It doesn't yeah, make any that sense. That doesn't make sense and it, and it's not logical. So I think that a lot of what um, early stage entrepreneurs need to focus on is reality, mm-hmm. making sure that they give themselves a gut check and a reality check. It's a good idea. It doesn't mean it'll be a good business. And if it is going to be a good business, they need to make sure that they have the right they need, to, they need to prepare properly. They need to know their numbers. They need to have a plan in place. They need to be able to prove market need. They need to have a competitive analysis in place. Some of those types of things, which is just where they can prove to whoever they're asking for the, whoever they're asking to invest in them. Hey, I'm taking this serious. I've gone and I've done these things. Here's the answers to all the questions I think you'll ask me. Now, please ask me all the questions I don't know to think about yet. Right. And I'll go, if I don't know the answers, I'll go find the answers. Mm-hmm. So those would be some, some tips for early stage guys. I do want to say as well, because he talked about being an irresponsible entre- entrepreneur for the first 14 years of his life. And I think what you 
what you find with that too is I'm going to shout out for the women in the world going into business really quick, because I think it's a really powerful thing to understand the amount of women starting up being CEOs, leading companies in the tech industry right now, the, the women that lead these tech companies, they're 35% higher on their ROI than the ones that are led by males. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think it's powerful to know that being a female and understanding how thorough and how they are willing to put people in place to accelerate their business and lean on other people in the industry or other females who are doing the same kind of thing um, for people investing right now, investing in female owned mm-hmm. businesses and female startups and things like that is a really good place to do that. Just wanted to give a tip because mm-hmm. that's on the rise. I even last year through COVID, there was massive increase in women. I think they accounted for 1.8 billion here in the U S alone. So, you know, if anybody's looking to invest female, female, uh, startups and businesses are a good place right now. Right. Well, that makes sense with, you know, the pandemic hitting and, and everyone forced to stay home theoretically. So a lot of times, you know, because the children were at home, they weren't in schools, the moms were the ones who were kind of giving up their employment. And so it makes sense that they were looking for an opportunity to start a business if they had to be at home anyway. Absolutely. So how would you decide then who to back if you're looking for an opportunity or if someone's coming to you, like how do you determine if that might be a good fit? Well, I think between the two of us, we go about it in a similar way, but I think our guiding uh, maybe credentials may be slightly different. I say for me, when I'm looking at, at, evaluating a deal or looking at the person, I look at the person. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I focus a lot on who I'm getting in business with or who I'm helping out. That's my starting guideline. Um, And Mm -hmm. then, then I move forward. If I don't feel good about that at the beginning that I, I don't move forward because I know that I have to feel right about the person or the people that I'm involved with Mm -hmm. more so than the actual deal. And I know that a lot of people would probably say that's the wrong way to look at it because if it's a solid deal, it's a solid deal. Um, And it comes down to, you know, if you're going to make money from it or however, but for me, that's where I start. Right. Well, relationships are important too. So it can't just be about the money, right? (laughs) So the interesting thing for me is that I believe in the power of aligned self-interest. So before I do any deal, I need to understand not only the numbers and economics of the deal, but I need to understand the numbers of the person behind the deal. Why are you doing the deal? Why are you seeking the investment? What's your number? Is your number $120,000 a year? I want to scale to a lifestyle. And that's the, that's the amount that my family and I need. Is it I'm trying to make $5 million over the next 10 years? I need to understand that because the thing is, investors, regardless of whether you're talking about at, at you know, uh, Grayson Pierce Capital level, or you're talking about as an, just individual angel investors, it's our job to comprehend and understand where you are and where you're trying to get to and the gap in between those. And we're the bridge builders, mm-hmm. the funding the guidance, the mentorship, those are the things that will create the bridge. 
but it's up to the, to the individual who is asking for the investment, who has the business idea and concept to actually take the journey across the bridge to where they want to be. I think that it, for me, I always start with explain to me the idea. What's the pitch? Give me the concept and I'll ask them questions about the number. During that process of hearing that, then I will obviously be assessing and or evaluating, as I like to call it, Mm -hmm. that individual. If I'm not going to make the investment, I know pretty quickly. But the simple fact that they've came to the point of doing a pitch, I still go through the same three things, evaluate, adjust, transform. Now, if I'm going into triage, incubate, or accelerate a business, it doesn't matter to me. I still apply, evaluate, adjust, and transform. And so if an individual is giving me a pitch and I'm evaluating their communication skills, their confidence in the words that they're choosing and using, then I will go through and I will be making mental notes. If I decide it's not a good business idea, but you're a good business person, Mm -hmm. then I will give you pointers on how to adjust your pitch how to transform. I will give you pointers on like, this isn't a good concept, but you're a good entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, and we use this system called culture index too, before we take any, before we accept a pitch from anybody, we have them take a, a, what's called a culture index survey to make sure that they align with us and that we know how to communicate with them better. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of it for me comes down to just that process. I, I, I kind of get it all at once, whereas Jessica will evaluate the relationship and do I even want to be in business or communicate with this person? I tend to say, is it a good deal? Is it a sound business? And more importantly, do I believe this individual can get it across the finish line? And that's for me, that's just slightly different. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So if someone is looking for an angel investor, that's not like a family or friend that they can go to, but they're in need and, you know, they're looking for somebody, what would you tell them, like, how to find someone that would even be interested in looking at their business? Hmm. Start with your internal network. No one, first off, there's no one harder to pitch than family. (laughs) Straight up. And that's a great place to practice as well. I mean, it is a great place to practice. You know, whenever we were, I, I said, when we decided to advance two years ago f- from just angel investing and investing in personal ventures that we held equity stakes in or that we were incubating, accelerating, or triaging, uh, when we decided to make that transition to more of a formal family office because of the amount we were trying to manage, mm-hmm. then we looked at it and said, and one of the first things says, I won't accept money from anybody else, like other investors that want us to manage it. Mm-hmm. until I'm comfortable managing our money and I'm comfortable managing my mom and dad's mm-hmm. and I'm comfortable managing my CFOs. And when all those people believe in me enough to manage their money and I can generate a, an efficient and effective ROI, then I'll accept money from general public. Right. Mm-hmm. So sense. I think that, so I think that even at, even at my level, I'm, I'm still of the same mindset. Until I could pitch it and and get my closest, most intimate people in my circle to believe in it and trust me with it, 
then then I wasn't willing to to, to talk to anybody else about it. Mm-hmm. And so, as an early stage investor looking for angel investment, I think your personal network is definitely the place to start. But you need to be prepared for rejection. Mm-hmm. You need to be prepared for disbelief. Right. And you need to have the mental fortitude and the intestinal grit that it takes to get kicked in the teeth <laughs> over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And you need to decide, will I be defeated and retreat or will I simply put it behind me and move forward and continue to fine tune mm-hmm. and hone the craft? I would definitely say practice pitching on I would definitely find someone to practice pitch your pitch with whether, and you could pay somebody. And let me just tell you, that's the other thing I'll say. I don't know how you feel about this because we've never really discussed it. Pay to play. We Mm -hmm. don't, you know, we're not mentors. We don't have paid, you know, training or or anything like that, but I have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get in proximity to people who knew how to do what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and what it was that I was trying to accomplish People don't realize the cliche, your network is your net worth. Mm. It is just not as much of a cliche as people think. Mm. It's very factual. Having access to someone who can take you from here to here, bridge builders, as I call them, someone who is, you know, you're here, you want to go here and they're there. Mm -hmm. They know how to build that bridge. They've already done it and they can help you build it quicker. I, I, I'm just a huge believer. I've, I've invested a tremendous amount in seeking out and getting the counsel that we needed in order to shape and formulate our structure over the years. And that's been very beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if somebody is interested in, in having an investor in their company, what is the information that would be reviewed? I, I assume obviously a profit and loss report, a balance sheet, cash flow, things like that. But what other information, you know, might they need to have available for someone to review? I mean, I, I look also, is it scalable? How hard, how hard is it going to be to get to that next level? Because I mean, we know some phenomenal companies that I mean, we utilize one of them for them to scale. It's incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, The time it takes for them to implement their product services into different companies. It's just, it seems very daunting. And so looking at that, looking at um, what actual value you can add. And if that's going, I kind of, I like to look and see where this person is going to be next year, two years, five years, how, what that looks like, what it's going to self-interest to get there. Um, are they in it for the long term? I think a lot of it with what I do at the beginning and trying to get a better take on the person is knowing if they have the stamina for that, if they're going to stick it out, because I don't want to get myself into something. I'm very bullish with my time. And I think that's the only thing that um, we give out that can either be used in a really efficient way or it can be wasted. And so I'm not going to waste my time with somebody whose characteristics tell me that they're in it now because they see and they see money or they see fame or they see glory or whatever it is that they're seeking out. It, it's a good product or service. It might work, but in a year from now, they're not going to be in it like that. And I'm, I just, right. I don't, I don't want to play in that, in that mm-hmm. playground. So I look at that. That's a, a pretty big indicator for myself. 
Yeah. So some of the things that we would review during that process of, of coming. So I'm assuming that based on your question, this is a business that already exists. Mm-hmm. So naturally, P&L balance sheet, yeah. all, all of the normal, you know, accounting level things. But also, was it a good business concept in the first place? Should it even be a business today? I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially early stage, feel like they have to come up with a new idea. Mm. They have to be inventive. They have to create. It's just not the case. We've invested in HVAC companies. We've invested in medical and dental offices. These are just standard day-to-day businesses. I never thought in a million years we would own a Nissan dealership. (laughs) There was an opportunity to help a bunch of people and make some money in the process. Sounds great. Let's go. That's not reinventing the wheel by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But as you, as we begin to kind of review things on what someone's doing, so assuming that it's a brand new startup, I mean, not a brand new startup business, but rather one that's been functioning, we're going to be looking at what the trends look like mm-hmm. and where the bottlenecks are. This is the triage portion of what I've talked about. In, you know, I think I'm going to add earlier. one really quick into sure. the triage portion, because I think this is important as well, because we've ran into this in deals in the past. How deep is the nepotism in the company? If you're just hiring everybody in your family, extended family, neighbor, and that's how it is running, it's a little bit scary to get into anything with a company that is functioning that way Mm because typically they're overpaying or they have people in positions that shouldn't be there. Um, And you have to come in and say, I'm sorry, but you know, Sally and Jeff can't stay in these positions because they're not the right seat on the bus. And that, that alone there causes severe problems. So Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a big one that, that we've learned to look for. Yeah. We, we absolutely analyze that in the beginning stages as well, because it's very much a turnoff. It's Mm -hmm. assuming that the business is not succeeding and they're trying to get investment dollars because they need to recover so there's two different levels of triage. There's recovery triage and there's acceleration triage. Mm-hmm. And so as you go into triage a business and you're starting to figure out, okay, so what is it that's going on inside this company? One of my unique skill sets is I'm quick. I can go in, I can look at all the things, I can find your bottlenecks, I can put it together and I say, boom, all right, this is what it needs to do. Here's where it needs to go. Here's what it's going to take to do that. This person works in this position, doesn't work in this position, this person, yeah. you know, and that's, and I move very quickly, whereas she's very methodical. So I'll take all of my quickness and I'll hand it to her and then she'll <laughs> come in and she'll go through and she'll do a forensic analysis of it mm-hmm. and be like, okay, so here's all of this. Here's where they faked this. Here's where they lied on this. Okay, so let's figure out, can we get past all of this misdirection that they tried to present? Because it happens. I don't think we've ever had a single business where someone has come to us and said, please help us turn around our company. Please, you know, come triage, help us move forward, help us grow and scale where there wasn't some level of misdirection in the materials provided. Those are really hard conversations to have with people. And I think that's also something that we kind of thrive on is we don't let that become a thing. You know, we'll have them, we'll have them right away and we'll have them throughout the entire process. And if you can't handle that, then we're the wrong people to do business with. Yeah. We talk about it. We have this thing between us. We would rather you, you know, uh, hate us for our truths than love us for our lives. Mm. 
Wow. And that's just but, a thing, right? It's yeah. a thing both. That's in, the truth and transparency that I'm talking yeah. about. I'm like, mm-hmm. just go to me. I want to hear it. I, give it all to me right now. Uh, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Just put it out there. So we have a really open and fresh starting place yeah. and we can move forward from that. And I think that a lot of people, you know, you've asked just such great questions on this, Candy, because I think that a lot of people also just go ask whoever they think they can get the answer they want (laughs) or manipulate. It's just Mm -hmm. the truth, right? Human nature into, you know, giving them the investment, Um, someone who's not going to comprehend or understand. They try to, wow, it will never work out. It will always go south. If you lead with truth and transparency, you lead with telling that individual, hey, listen, I don't have all the details figured out. Here here is where I'm at. And here's what I need to get to the next spot. Just like I've worked hard from here to here, I'll keep working hard to make sure that I get you every penny of this back plus a return. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the simplistic side of the conversation. The other side is don't go ask that person. Mm. Think about who you're asking and what they bring to the table. If you just need money and you don't need any guidance, you're already winning and you just need more funding to fund your POs to get you from here to here and you're golden, then why give up equity? Go factor your receivables or go do something else, right? Why give up equity for that? Mm-hmm. It's typically you're going to go ask for an investment because you don't believe you can do the other or you don't have something structured or so there's just so many little caveats to to the questions and the way that you've asked them. We've seen a thousand different scenarios <laughs> and each scenario is different. And I think, mm-hmm. too, if you if you start with a place of truth and transparency, then with people like us, it creates trust. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what we need go moving well, forward. Because it, yeah. We're going to know we've been doing this a long time and most anybody you go talk to, they're going to formulate an opinion. They believe in you. They don't believe in you. And if you, if you build the foundation on a faulty baseline of, of misdirection and, and disinformation, it's, it's never going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's very risky because you take in an angel investor you take in, you know, convertible debt, you take in these types of things, there's going to be language in those, t- in those contracts, mm-hmm. especially the ones that we use, that if, if you have misled, misguided, falsified anything, you can lose your whole company. You lose mm-hmm. the entire thing. And of the two of us, I'm the one that's a little tougher on that. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it, it may look like she's the pushover. I'm the pushover. She's vicious in business. Not vicious, but I, I mean, listen, I'm going to yeah. bring myself and I'm going to invest in you and your company or put any part of my time, effort and energy into it. Then we've got to start at a good place. And if you mm-hmm. come in with the wrong intentions and I don't pick up on it and we've gotten into a deal, then it's going to be a really big problem. So, right. So I would just love to ask too, when you're working with someone, what is the information and how often do you want that information from the businesses that you've invested in? Sure. Mm-hmm. So I we, think that changes depending it, on it, the deal. It absolutely changes. It depends on how cash intensive the business is. Mm-hmm. That most assuredly will change things. I audit financials every Sunday morning. That's what I do uh, across 
All, all of our companies. Yeah. So I think 30, 36 financials that I'm auditing every Sunday morning right now. And that just is the day that I can make it work for me. I get up at 5 a.m. and between 5 and 8, I just go through and I, and I, I look at everything. Mm-hmm. I look at every number. Because there's another thing in business too. Not looking at your bank account doesn't make your bank account any better. Right. Okay. That's so true. <laughs> you have to know where you are. Money, right. money not watched will vaporize. Mm. And so you need to make sure that you not only know your numbers, but that you know your numbers in a very intimate way. You know, mm-hmm. you feel the pressure when there's no money. Right. You carry that burden and that load. That's what I talk about, you know, that, that mental fortitude. Being an entrepreneur is not playtime. So many people like, oh, I have a great idea. I or they freedom. have freedom. Yeah. How do you want to be an entrepreneur? Oh, freedom. I want freedom. Oh, ah. sorry. But the, typically the first, you know, the year first thing to go is your time. Is not freedom. I mean, right, right. Farthest thing from the truth. So, so yeah. So I think that, and I forgot the question. I'm so sorry. What was the question? I was just asking how often you want to get information and what type oh, yeah. of information. So, so I'm, I'm looking at everything every week, mm-hmm. right? Now, ours is a little different. When we take a family office position or a PE position in a company, we control the financials. It's mm-hmm. part of the requirement. Mm-hmm. If we're going to put the money in, then our corporate CFO controls the financials. Mm-hmm. And so we, we may have someone inside the company that does the day-to-day bookkeeping aspect of things and payroll and manages APAR, but we control the overall corporate financial. We're in charge of the tax strategy. Mm-hmm. We're looking, and that's the other thing too. The single best piece of advice that we can give to any entrepreneur starting out, if you want to build a company and a business of longevity, start at day one and become obsessed with learning and studying the tax laws. Mm, good point. <laughs> Go through, because what is your- And so, they change. So, <laughs> yeah. They do change. I have, a, I, have, I have a project that I'm working on called Profit from Expenses, and it's all about vertical and horizontal integration and being able to utilize the expenses in your company to generate additional profit streams. One of the single biggest things that people, entrepreneurs don't realize is that they have a silent partner. Mm-hmm. Name's Uncle Sam, and he's going to come for his cut at the end of the year, whether you like it or not. And you need to comprehend and understand the benefits that Mm -hmm. so many people are scared of tax laws. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. You know, you're 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 in the accounting and bookkeeping business, so -hmm. you see this. They're scared to death of their taxes and the tax Mm -hmm. laws. What so many don't realize is that there's nothing to be scared of that they're literally miniature stimulus packages for entrepreneurs to behave the way Mm -hmm. that the government needs them to behave. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs, corporations, companies, whatever it is, if they need more jobs in a specific sector, then they create more incentives, more tax incentives inside Mm -hmm. of that sector to get that done. So the moment, and by the way, I spent 14 years not comprehending this, (laughs) not understanding it and doing everything I could to, to, you know, to basically give the, to give at, at its peak, it was 52.3% between state and Fed. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so you go work and make $20, $30 million and have to write a $2, 3000000 million check for mm-hmm. taxes. Like, not fun stuff. And so it's, it's really interesting 
how, you know, how it, um, I think on the smaller scale though, cause that's very much on, on the larger scale of sure. angel investing, you know, somebody's looking for 50, you know, a hundred thousand, even 10,000, it really comes down to the project or the business or what it's for. Um, if you know that this person is going to need constant check-in and guidance because mm-hmm. it's a fresh thing that they're starting up, then the level of check-ins and um, reporting and things like that is going to be completely different than somebody who, uh, like with one a particular person that I, I invest with, you know, he's been doing what he's doing now for several years. He understands that it's like a machine and he comes mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. when he needs a injection of, of capital and like, and I trust him and I know, and we check in every like two months or so. So it's really different. It's based, it's based on, um, each individual thing that you're, you're dealing with, but I think you should also be prepared to have everything from your financials to your projections, to your goal, all of that you should be prepared at any moment to present that to whoever is your, your investor, whoever is investing in you. You shouldn't just assume just because they're not asking or that, that they're not requiring that, that they won't at some point and that they don't need that check-in. And you, if I were on the other side of that, I would feel obligated to make sure that I had all of that in line to -hmm. present. I think that everybody that's listening to this should simply reach out to Candy at ABNP and have her prepare a list of all the things that a that a an angel investor, a venture investor, simply might ask for, and make sure you could do them. I'm sure you could do them an initial audit audit or a a you know a one day intensive of their of their company and say, boom, here's everything they're going to ask for. Here's everything you're going to need. You should have that ready in case you need it. So sure, sure. like that plug there, Candy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's great. So this has been a great topic. I know we're running a short on time and I'm sure there's yeah. so much more that we could chat about. Um, but I always like to ask if there's an offer that you have that you would like to share. So if there's anything that you want to, you know, give to the listeners, go ahead and tell us what that is. I don't know that we have any offers. I mean, other than being an angel investor and also, you know, having Grace and Pierce to invest, but um, I do have a book coming out, uh, hopefully September, October of this year. It's called uh, Firework Humans. And it's all about, it would be more towards the people looking for the investing Mm -hmm. um, and igniting those entrepreneurial instincts, what that means in your employees and yourself and your children. And so I would say we could plug we could plug that. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds yeah, great. But we both, I'm sure that you are going to include our, our websites and things. You I was know, going to ask you to share. To share. Mm-hmm. Tell us yeah, how so people can find you. Yeah, okay. jessicamead.com, mattmead.com. It's pretty really straightforward. Simple. Very, okay. very straightforward. And uh, yeah, if there's if there's anything we can do to help people, we always try. But that's the other thing I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw in here. That doesn't mean that you should just reach out and be like, oh, I heard you on, on Candy's podcast okay. and, and, and I just, I need help. Help me. It's not going to get a response. <laughs> we, we, between the two of us, we probably get, I don't know. I get, I get a hundred, you know, messages a day, wow. daily of people that are trying to do things. And I have a team that just kind of goes through and, and vets it and looks you know, at it. And, yeah. 95% never see my desk. Mm-hmm. And the 5% that do came prepared, knew what it was they wanted to talk about, had, you know, had a very good elevator pitch 
which is just a, you know, 60 second to, you know, 90 second, um, you know, just, Hey, here's what I've got. Here's what I do. Here are my successes. And here's where I'm trying to get to. And I could use some support, not just financially, but also from a managerial, you know, oversight. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't, I've got a great C-suite in place and I just need some funding to get from here to here. And here's what it's going to be used for. Is that something that you would consider? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's no, fantastic. No problem. <laughs> Thanks so much. But hey, do you know someone who that might be a better fit for? Talk to my wife. <laughs> that might be a better fit for my wife than it is for me. Exactly. You know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, well, this has been a great discussion. I appreciate your, you know, being guests. So thank you so much for your time and, and sharing your wisdom and, you know, just how you work and, you know, just giving those tips to those who are listening and who maybe would need an angel investor and they can think about what did they need to do to be able to approach someone for that. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Have a great Mm-hmm. And I want to thank the listeners also for tuning into the show today. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some of your questions about angel investing. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to the Meads at the, uh, the website information that they shared, or you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd greatly appreciate your support. Next week's topic is the courage to lead. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And my website is abandp.com. And podcasts are posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to This Hope For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.